I'm glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I am very glad you're here. Amen. God's good. We have a um, new bus kid today on a bus. His name is Cole. He's uh, Johnny's uh, stepbrother. We're glad he's here. Very glad that you're here today. Colossians 1.23. If you have your Bible, if not, it is on the screen. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is in their heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of, his of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I just love that scripture. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You may be seated. We prayed a moment ago. So, Again, I want to say thank you for being at church on this Pentecost Sunday, 2021. Can you believe it's fixing to be seven months to Christmas? I know you all want to hear that this morning, afternoon. Um, but today, I want to talk for just a few moments today, this being Pentecost Sunday. I like to keep that theme I want to talk about the hope of Pentecost today. The hope of Pentecost is, um, if, if I could, I'd almost just kind of do a subtitle today of, I just started living. You maybe have never heard the song, I almost think I, I may have tried to sing it once before years ago, but a guy used to go to our church years ago, but Dwight Darnell, he would he'd sing this song, he's a phenomenal singer, and and he'd say, if I had hope in this world below, I'd be covered with uh, trouble. There'd be no place to go. But when I met Jesus and started believing, I got filled with his love and cleansed from above. I just started living. Second verse says, don't you look at me funny, you old prophet of doom. I'm not one bit discouraged, and I ain't feeling no gloom. Because I have... God's spirit, and it's a total feeling. I gave up on pouting. She's singing the old style. This is original words. Because <laughs> I have God's spirit, and it's a total feeling. What would you say? It's totally thrilling. That's the way we did used to sing it. It's totally thrilling. I like that better anyway. <laughs> I gave up on pouting. Got no time for doubting. I just started living. I just started living, found me a brand new life, changed my direction, washed away all my strife. I'm a newborn believer, it's a holy feeling, the days are getting brighter. 
loads are getting lighter. I just started living. If I could subtitle this today, it would be this, to get filled with the Holy Ghost and start living. Amen. It's what this world needs. The only hope left in this world, I believe, is being filled with something out of this world. It's the Holy Ghost. I know people think this Pentecostals are crazy, and you know what? We are. We're crazy in this world today. But I kind of look at it the other way. I think those who won't pursue the Holy Ghost is missing something. <laughs> I won't call them crazy. I'll say they're missing something. I don't want anybody going around and say the preacher said everybody's crazy. It's, no. I think they're missing something. The only hope that of this world is in the experience of being filled with His, Jesus' Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Amen. So why do we even need the Holy Ghost? The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The devil, Sister Penny, will do everything he can to take our hope in Christ away from us in whatever way he can. And most of the time it's going to be in the form of some type of storm that would seem to take all hope from us. Some type of storm that will uh, uh, to leave us in a state of hopelessness. And what the devil does, he takes us our focus off of what this life is really all about, which is eternity, and gets our life focused on the present. Amen. Corbin loves preaching. I'm happy about that. The devil wants to just leave us in that state of hopelessness. And if you'll be honest with me today, you know that when we get so consecrated, when we concentrate so much on the, the, uh, the situation around us right now, it can leave us so hopeless. It can leave us to the place where we can find ourselves in, in, in uh, depression or in anger or bitterness or strife or frustration. And this is the devil's go. And this is what, if we've ever seen that, we've sure seen it over the last year and a half in the church, in the house, everywhere we're at. But Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church in Romans 5 and 1. He said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? He goes on to answer his own question or answer the statement. He said, through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way that we're really going to have peace with God. And he said, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. It's not us, is it? Most times it's not. Knowing that tribulations worketh patience, but David's already quoted. Patience worketh experience. And experience does what? It brings hope. Hope, verse 5, hope make, maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Does anybody know what the rest of it does? It says here? By the Holy Ghost, 
which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Why did Jesus die for us on the cross? Was it just to heal us? Was it just to fix our marriage? Was it just to deliver us from addictions? Yes, he did that. Did die for all of that. But Jesus' blood shed at Calvary. The real reason, Brother Eddie, was to bring us back into fellowship with him. Amen. You see that fellowship that was broken in the garden by Adam and Eve. In the garden, Adam and Eve, they were innocent. Right? When they first got put in the garden, Sister Janet, they were innocent. They didn't know right from wrong. There was only one sin. Sin, by definition, is transgression against God or going against disobeying His laws. That is what sin is. It's simplest, simplest form of definition of sin is us being selfish enough not to obey what God wants us to do. Amen. And their only law they had was don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And to eat of that tree would break fellowship with God. It's this Sunday school. It's Pentecost Sunday. I know what Texas is going to be talking about in a little bit. He'll continue the theme of Pentecost Sunday. I know he's going to. But I'm going to slow down a little bit because I want us to understand why there's hope in Pentecost. Amen. I'm not talking about the Pentecostal church. I'm talking about the Pentecostal experience. Amen. Just let me ask you this as we're here. We're slow down teaching about what is the Pentecostal experience. Cheryl said it, speaking in tongues. Infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's it right there. Speaking in tongues. Infilling of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That is what Pentecost is about. Pentecost is not a religion. It is an experience. Pentecost happened 50 days after uh, what we call Easter. This is why we have it. That's why we see every year just like Easter. It varies. But whenever Easter is, you can count 50 days up. That's when Pentecost is going to be. And that is when God poured out His Spirit upon all flesh in the book of Acts chapter 2. And, and what happened in going back to the Garden of Eden, what happened is that to eat of that tree would break fellowship with God. God told him in Genesis 2, 16, 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God never really intended us, Sister um, Janet, to, to be involved in the struggle between good and evil. He really didn't want us to have that responsibility on our, body, on our backs. But we, don't, we can't comprehend that because we have that knowledge of good and evil, right? So, but through their disobedience, they came to understand right from wrong. They ate of that tree, and when they ate of that tree, it opened their eyes up, and they realized, oh, I have sinned. I have broken my covenant with God. 
It's exactly what they've done. They broke covenant with God. So when God came looking for them in the cool of the day, Sister Michelle, they realized, uh-oh, I'm uncovered. I, I, I don't feel that fellowship with God. But in doing that, they also uncovered something else that's lacking in us. He not only, uh, he, he not only did, he went from understanding right from wrong, but now then he, he lacked the power to choose to do right. Since he, now that his eyes have been opened up to the knowledge that what is right and what's wrong, now then he has this uh, realization, how, how do I choose right? And we see real quickly what happens to mankind. Mankind, evil begins to fill the earth. Genesis 6 and 5, we, we travel through the Bible here a little bit. It says, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We're back there again for sure, right? Amen. But then God sent the law, the law of Moses. He sent it to help people, to help try to bring that covenant back with God. That's what he done in the garden. Sister Linda, the, the, uh, he shed blood. The blood made an atonement for man. It put that fellowship back together with them. That was the whole purpose of the blood covenant, right? Now, he was building something all the way through the Old Testament. Galatians 3 and 24, it, it lets us know that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to where? Anybody know? To Christ. That we might be justified by faith. But man had been abruptly, he just finally, he just learned the difference between right and wrong. And then God sent the law to teach us what was right and wrong. The law taught and still teaches us absolute principles that's timeless about honesty, about morality, about modesty, about the sanctity of marriage, between the right, having the right relationship between uh, people and a man and woman. Are we seeing that being attacked right now in the hour we're living in? This is why this world needs this Pentecost experience. You'll, hopefully we'll see before I get done. But what it did not address was the other need. It showed mankind, okay, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. But the Bible lets us know that the law could not justify us. Does anybody know what justification is? It is, gets us in a state is to the place of worse just as if I have never sinned. That's what justification is. Romans 3, 19 and 20 says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith is saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may be guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law gives us the knowledge of sin. It shows you. We can, we can get the Bible out and say, okay, I can show you where you're not supposed to lie. Amen. I can show you where you're not supposed to steal. I can show you in the law uh, uh, how we need to uh, act with people and around people. And we can show you in the law the distinction between man and woman. We can show you in the law how we're supposed to treat each other. The law of God brings, but here's the problem, what the law of God does, it brings guilt. Because it helps us recognize what we're doing wrong. 
But when we see in noble law, when we comprehend sin, we still have no power to choose right. Amen. Jeremiah 10 and 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We need some help with that. Amen. Something more is needed. A power to help us make the right choices. Amen. And so, yes, the blood of Jesus brings us back to the fellowship with God. Just as the blood of goats and bulls in the Old Testament would bring mankind, mankind back into fellowship with God. But God wanted us to have something more than just bringing us back into fellowship with Him. He wanted us to have an eternal fellowship with Him. Amen. We know this verse, John 3, 16. You can quote it with me as I, as I read your quote here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. God robed Himself in the flesh. He come and dwelt among us to become the ultimate sacrifice for our sins to bring us back into fellowship with Him. His blood that was shed at Calvary would fix that separation that happened in the garden that happens in our, uh, our Adam nature that we have where the flesh goes against the spirit and the spirit goes against the flesh. And by nature, we're going to be mean. <laughs> by nature, we're, we're, we're going to do wrong. That's just us. That's humanity. But I'm so glad that Jesus went farther than just being a blood sacrifice to bring me into fellowship with Him. This is why in the Old Testament, there was... We, how many has ever read through the Old Testament or at least read through part of it, whatever? How many times? I get frustrated when I read it because... God will do great things for him and we'll come back into fellowship with him and the next thing you know, back doing stupid again. I, I, that's, that's my life too. I see that so much in my life. God will raise up a great leader that would bring them out and then they'll rise up a leader who knew not God. I'm reading through Chronicles Right now, I just finished Second Chronicles uh, today. Or First Chronicles, we can start on Second Chronicles, and you just see the king rise up, the king go back down, and and, and it's amazing. Uh, um, you you have the the eight year old king that decided I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what's right, and then it's that other one near the end of the of all the kings of Israel that just drives me crazy. I don't remember his name, but the eight year old uh, that became king, and and he said he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Eight years old. He lived three months and God killed him. I'm like, my goodness. Just shows the nature of who we are. And, and that's why he wanted to bring us in fellowship because sin brings us away from that fellowship. And that blood sacrifice that Jesus shed at Calvary, it does heal my body. Amen. But not always. It does deliver me from things in my life. But Paul lets us know, not always. Because he said he prayed the Lord would get rid of that one thing. And the Lord said, 
you might need to keep that one. Right? He, he does fix marriages, but not all of them gets fixed. Right? His blood does do that. Now, here's the thing that we get messed up with this, and I think this is uh, uh, why so many people struggle with being in, in church, and, 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 and that's probably why some people are not here today, is that we come to God and He heals and He fixes and He delivers, but not always. Yeah. And that causes us to get in this place to where, well, I come to the altar and I, I, I get repentance and I feel real good. And, and that's what the blood does. It brings me back in fellowship with him while I'm here on this earth. But I'm thankful that he didn't just stop at shedding blood at Calvary. Because you've heard me say this enough, Brother Eddie, that if Jesus had just died on the cross, that in and by itself is not good news. Because all that does is sticks us Brings a, a, it, it brings atonement. We can have fellowship and come back into fellowship with him. For what reason? To get us on our mindset to realize that, yes, God can touch me here on this earth, but what he really wants me to do is wants me to live eternally with him. We read the scripture. I just read it a second ago. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That what? Should have what? For some reason, we've got it fixed like this. That we can have a good life on earth. For some reason, we think that, that him going to the cross of Calvary and dying for us there is just to fix this life. He didn't go to Calvary just to fix his, this life. Calvary was the blood of Jesus at Calvary was to fix us temporarily enough to get our mindset in the right place that we could live for eternity and not for this earth. But in myself, I can't do that. So he went farther then the cross where the blood was shed. But he, he took the old lifestyle and it was buried in a tomb. But thank God that he didn't stay in that place. And Sister Janet, Bible says three days later, he rose from the grave, praise God, by his what? His own power. On the third day, he rose again by his own power. And that takes it to another level for us. And this is why so many people struggle to be and stay in the house of God. Because they're only wanting things in this life fixed. Hallelujah. And they're not willing to go beyond. Hallelujah. The fellowship of coming back together with God. And realizing that God wants to give us power. Praise God. He wants to give us power. And that is what Pentecost is really all about. Praise God. Is Christ living on the inside of us. That is the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, John 3.16 says that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But he said, I'm trying to give you everlasting life. But there is more verses in John, hallelujah, that we need to consider besides John 3.16. There's also John 7.38 and 39 where Jesus said, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, but this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, have believed on him, as the Scripture said, 
should receive because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Nobody had received it yet because the spirit that we was going to receive was keeping Jesus alive on this earth. Amen. And we can't just believe on him like we want. Now, the generic prayer nowadays is you just say the sinner's prayer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's not what Jesus just said right here. You've got to believe on him like the scripture said. So what does the scripture say? Joel 2 and 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon my servants and my handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. These are the same scriptures that Peter quoted. When? Anybody know? On the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Ghost first fell on humanity, the hope of Pentecost is the power to uh, not only save us, but to keep us motivated to make heaven our home. He said, "Look, I, I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to save you from your sins." But I want to put something in you. I want to put my spirit inside of you. That there's something flowing out of you. There's rivers of living water. Something that, that is bigger than this world. Something that's bigger than, than if, if you have a, a, a flat tire in life. You're ready to throw everything away. But you realize that if everything in this life is not perfect, it's not about this life. But it's about the life after this life. And, and he says, so I'm going to give you, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to let your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. And your old man's going to dream dreams and we're going to have visions. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everybody I can because my spirit living inside of you is going to create a well of living water for this world that this world could uh, receive something more than just getting a fellowship back with God, but a vision and a dream of eternity, a vision and a dream of living, hallelujah, in a place where there's no more hurt, no more harm, a place that's called heaven and the hope of Pentecost is the power, praise God, that will give us motivation to say I'm going to make heaven my home Amen. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witness to me both in Jerusalem Judea and all the Samaria and all the uttermost parts of the earth this is what Jesus meant in John 16 and 13 he said how be it when the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things what to come you see, that's why the Holy Ghost is the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost is what Pentecost is all about. Because the Holy Ghost is about Christ living inside of us. And on the day of Pentecost, God filled them all with the Holy Ghost. God, say, say he filled them all. He filled them all. When the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 and 1, was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them cloven tongues like as the fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Ghost is more than just speaking in tongues. It is the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that dwell in Jesus will dwell, dwell in us through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit, which is eternal living inside of us 
empowering us to overcome sin. Giving us hope that is beyond this world. Giving us a desire that goes beyond what we're fighting in this world. That is why the Holy Ghost is the greatest hope for anyone in this world. What does the Holy Ghost do for me? It puts you in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit are we baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into that one spirit. That spirit, it, it puts us in the church. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost. This world needs the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Now, when, when you repent, when you repent and you get baptized in Jesus' name, that's the blood being applied to our life. That's bringing us back in to fellowship with God. Amen. But when we, are, when we take... We take John 3, 16, but we'll back up to John 3 and 5. What did he say? Except a man is born again of the water and of what? The Spirit. That's why everybody say, I was born this way. It doesn't matter how you were born. That's why we got to be born again. Because when we're born again, all things become new. And when, when we get that Spirit on the inside of us, it puts us inside the body of God. And it helps us to really know him as Lord. 1 Corinthians 12 and 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, called Jesus a curse. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Amen. When he gets on the inside, we really get to know who he is. It begins to uh, uh, prepare us for his soon rapture, church. Romans 8 and 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that what? Dwelleth in you. When his spirit gets in us, it's his spirit that's going to quicken us when he comes back one of these days. It helps us belong. To Jesus. Romans 8 9 said, But you are not, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, now listen, don't you get mad at me. This is the word of God. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The scripture is just simply saying, Look, if the Spirit's not inside of you, you're none of his. Now, I know we all belong to him, but listen, if he's going to, when he comes back in that spirit, that same spirit that raised up Jesus is inside of me that I receive by the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that spirit's what's going to quicken this body and change this body where I can meet him in the sky. And it's that same spirit that's on the inside of me when all of a sudden I'm fighting hell no matter what it may be, whether uh, we're fighting in marriage or we're fighting in finances or we're fighting in whatever may be the case. All of a sudden it's that spirit that quickens in me on the inside and helps me realize, listen, your hope is not in that car that's broke down. Your hope is not in that situation. Your hope is not in that relationship. Your hope is not in that bank account. But your hope, I put it inside of you. I put a piece of eternity on the inside of you and says just a few more days and it'll be okay, hallelujah, because he's going to quicken us. He's going to call us out of this place, and we're going to live for eternity. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Amen. For 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When he gets that inside of us, everything becomes new. Yes, amen. A new vision, new dreams, new hopes. Because the Holy Ghost, it gives us hope. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I know I've done, I've done, I've done read this and I think already. Uh, well, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When God fills us with His Spirit, we allow Him to fill us with His Spirit. It's supposed to give us joy and peace in believing that I have hope that I can get through this. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, folks. All of us up here, we're not young folks no more. Y'all know that, right? Amen. All of us up here, we're above, we, we're in the 40 above, right? Amen. You, you and I realize how fast them, the first half of our life has went, right? Amen. We all, we all are fastly heading towards if the Lord don't come back. And within a few years, we're all going to be at that place where uh, I was talking about Aunt Phil. She's 70-something years old, and you can tell that life has wore on. We're going to be there before we know it. And let me tell you what, as fast as this has went, Sister Janet, I I'm thinking about it. Well, if this goes just as fast, I got this. I can handle this. Hallelujah. If this is all hell has got, I can handle this. Heaven's going to be worth it. When he's put that spirit on the inside of me, he's put just enough. I feel it going up and down my back right now. I just enough, hallelujah, to let me know. Listen, boy, it'll be all right if we don't fill this church up. I want it filled, but if we got just us, we got enough. We can make heaven our home. Yes. He's putting something on the inside of me. I didn't write the scripture down, but it's in Ecclesiastes. It talks about, uh, uh, from the Living Bible, it says that he placed a bit of eternity. I talked about it not too long ago. A bit of eternity in every one of us. And everybody's looking to feel that place of eternity with everything else in this world to make them feel good. But God, he put that bit of eternity in us to make us hungry for something more that's outside of this world. Oh, come on. He put something inside of us to make us want more than just what we have in this world. I want to have a good truck, I want to have a good car, I want to have a fine home, but I want to walk down streets of gold one of these days. I want to see, hallelujah, Jesus. I want to walk hand in hand with my family again. Hallelujah. I'm going to bring this to close today with my opening verse. Colossians 1, 23. If you continue let me just stop and preach there for a second. We've got to continue in the faith. We've got to continue in the gospel. I, I read this quote the other day. You may have seen where I shared it on social media. It said, knowing how to get saved is a wonderful thing. Learning how to live saved takes things to a whole new level. We, we can sit down and we can explain to somebody the, uh, the gospel message. Look, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And somebody can do that. But even once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got to learn how to let the Holy Ghost lead you through this world. Yes. 
And what it does, it, that, that bit of, of what, when he fills us with the Spirit, what it does on the inside of us, it makes us long and hunger. Oh, God, I know it's not easy down here right now, but, God, I'm going to stay this path. I'm going to hang on to this thing because what if what I'm feeling just a little bit inside of here with the Holy Ghost is any sign of what it's going to be like when I get on the other side, I can make it. I can get through this. It'll be okay. The Holy Ghost is what keeps you saved by helping you to continue in the gospel. Colossians 1.23, if, uh, if you continue in faith, grounded, settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Listen, you know what the hope of the gospel is? It's not that he's bringing us back, just the blood's bringing us back into fellowship. It's the whole gospel. And the whole gospel is that Jesus died for our sins to bring us back into fellowship. He was buried where we can bury our past. And he resurrected yes. to give us hope of new life. Amen. That is the whole gospel. He said, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind the afflictions. Of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I'm a made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery. <laughs> that mystery. Been hid from ages to ages and generations and from generations, but now is made manifest. We're in the saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of glory in this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. It is what caused the Apostle Paul to run to the chopping block and say, go ahead and cut my head off. It's what caused Peter to say, I'm not worthy to be hung like my, my Savior was. You hang me upside down on that cross. It's why all these people became martyrs. It's why, why people that, that uh, uh, just keep on pushing through whatever in this world, they know that it's not about this world. It's about something eternal. And he's put something on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost. It gives me the hope of glory. And the reason Pentecost is the hope of glory is because when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, God is placing a piece of himself which is eternal inside of us. And that eternal thing living in us was designed to give you a hope of what eternity is going to feel like. Amen. Amen. I close today with a quote that I actually seen on the, my Facebook memories that I had said 10 years ago. Daryl John said, if you're going to be saved, you have to be able to see heaven from the hell you're living in. Wow. And if we're going to be saved, folks, we're going to have to be able to see heaven from the hell you're living in. And the best way I know to do that is this. If you have a piece of that eternity living on the inside, it's Christ in me. The hope of glory. That's what the hope of Pentecost is all about. Amen. That's what it's all about. It's about Christ. He's in, inside of me. And that's why when it comes to New Testament, that's why I said, I, I know the blood of what these priests are doing, it brings them back into fellowship, but it don't keep them. Amen. It doesn't keep them. That's why I said, I got to do something more. So,
I'm gonna place a look. I'm gonna robe myself around part of my uh, part of my spirit. Jesus manifested himself. God manifested himself a body. And everything about the inside of, of the man Christ Jesus was God himself. And he walked this earth. And he taught. And he showed us how to live. And so what he told him. He said, look, I'm going to go. But I'm going to come back. I want to live inside of you. Amen. And he took essence. Every bit of that thing of essence of who he was. And he's put it in every one of us. And it's something that, that, that just gives us enough of heaven on the inside. It says, it's going to be worth it. Amen. 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 It's going to be worth it.